Check, check. Two, 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 two. Rolling. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Who's the greatest? Yes, you are. It's Alexander. He's our commander. The dad was killed. Your moms were weird. You've conquered most of the Western world. <laughs> Do you want to try that again? <laughs> no, it was great. Ah, it does good to my soul. Oh, look at the pyramids. 332 BCE. Alexander the Great invades Egypt and changes the course of Egyptian and world history forever. Hello and welcome to History is a Joke, a podcast where we deep dive into different stories from history. This week I am joined by Melly and Steffi. <laughs> Neither of them have heard this story before, so they will be asking questions along the way and helping me tell this tale to its fullest comedic effect. Today we will be discussing the Great Lady of Perfection, Excellence in Council, the Great One, Sacred Image of Her Father, the Goddess Cleopatra VII, Thea Philopator. The name Cleopatra comes from two ancient Greek words, hence Alexander the Great, Cleos, meaning glory, and Patre, meaning father. In fact, Alexander the Great's sister was named Cleopatra. Alexander's father, Philip II, was famously and tragically assassinated at Cleopatra's wedding. Let's start with a quick rundown of the periods of Egyptian history. Everyone grab out a pencil and a piece of paper. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> We have prehistoric Egypt. This is anything before 3000 BCE, basically Stone Age era Egypt. Then we enter ancient Egypt. This is where all the classic Egyptian tales, sans Cleopatra, come from. Within the ancient period, we have early dynastic period when Upper and Lower Egypt unified, creating Egypt's first kingdom and pharaoh, Menes or Narmer, two names now known to be for the same person the first monarch of Egypt. Next is the Old Kingdom period. This is the Golden Age of Egypt, trademarked by Baron von Brunson. Bunsen? Baron von... Baron von Bunsen. That's a tongue twister. That's his real name. <laughs> oh, that's quite a name. <laughs> I got it. I've thought of it. it this is, will be the Golden Age of Egypt. My name is Baron von Bunsen, which is just... I, I got bullied a lot in school. <laughs> the pyramids at Giza were constructed during this golden age. The pyramid and temple at jo Joser? Joser? I'm going to have to look that up. The Great Sphinx. There's an intermediate period, a lot of those. Uh, then the Middle Kingdom, another intermediate period. Then the New Kingdom. This is where most historians would place the Moses story in the Jewish Exodus. Yet another intermediate period, and then the Late Period. It's at the end of the late period where we begin this tale with the conquest of Egypt by the Greek belligerent Alexander the Great. Any questions so far? No. Alexander, personally educated by Aristotle. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> what, what happened to Aristotle? Didn't he get... Cause I, like, how did he die? I think he got killed. Did right? he get hit by a car? I think he got hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought he probably I don't died know. when he was like 
40, either 40 or like 120. <laughs> like whenever that age was, like in BCE where people were living to like 900. Yeah. So he probably lived, I think he lived a very long life. Hmm. I feel like I've seen him a lot. I've seen <laughs> him around. <laughs> Alexander had recently been on a world conquering tour with modern day Turkey, Syria, Jordan, and Israel all taken from the Persians. Next, he set his sights on Egypt. The largest Persian resistance and route was a siege at the Gaza stronghold. After several attempts, Alexander and his well-documented military brilliance toppled the enemy fortress. One thing I will say about Alexander is he frequently, after conquering cities, he would kill every man and boy of fighting age and sell all the women and children into slavery. Not every time, but enough times. <laughs> Gaza was one of them. Anyway, uh, so, Alexander, yeah. Wait, wait, I have a question. So, like, military brilliance, what, his, what was, do you know what his strategy was? Like, <laughs> going on, you know, with his buddies? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, you know? One of the strategies was, was uh, you mean in terms of, like, Murder. I think he, I mean, being ruthless was one of them. You know, that was what everyone thought back, I mean, it still kind of is something that people think, I guess, that the more ruthless you are, the more of a great whatever leader, conqueror. Um, I think he invented a lot of military strategies, and if I cared or was interested in that sort of military history or military theory, hmm. um, I think that he developed that and was really into that sort of thing on where to put people and how to – the art of war or whatever you want to call it. And I was being a little bit like sarcastic and tongue-in-cheek with the military brilliance thing, but you know that is how he's remembered and – if that is a thing that you are interested in learning about or being educated in, he's kind of like one of the big figures in that sort of topic or field or whatever. But uh, I couldn't cite any specific like tactics or, at, you know, that he did because I just didn't really look into that. But he was supposed to be a great, you know, um, military strategist. He would have been great on like Age of Empires or like, you know, mm. <laughs> World mm -hmm. of Warcraft. <laughs> I love that you like literally covered every other aspect of it, and Melly had one single question, and it happens <laughs> like, to not be covered in this giant text. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. But yeah, I mean, part of it was the ruthlessness, and you know, uh, how do you keep um, at least in the short term enemies from coming back at you or from a, a, a recently conquered territory from uprising, you kill everybody who could possibly do it. Um, that'll, you know, keep you at least for a, a generation or two will keep you on things under control. So that was one of the tactics. That, so there's one, there's one in there Did I mentioned selling all the women and children into slavery. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, we nailed that. Alexander was welcomed in Egypt as a liberator from the Persians. He restored the pyramids. Uh, the Persian rulers had let them deteriorate. He paid respect to the Egyptian religion, including a visit to an oracle where he was pronounced son of Amun-Ra, the famous deity from the New Kingdom period, if you'll remember. You all remember, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander also made a holy sacrifice at Memphis and founded the massive and state-of-the-art city of Alexandria. Named after himself. <laughs> Alexander had much more conquering to do and left Egypt more or less right away, leaving behind a new lineage of Greek rulers of Egypt. This is the start of what's known as the Greco-Roman Egyptian period. Alexander remained pharaoh of Egypt 
as he continued his conquering until his untimely or timely death, given the amount of battles this guy started, in 323 BCE. Upon his death, there was, as there always is, a leadership crisis over Alexander's massive empire. In Egypt, Perdiccas, a general of Alexander's, briefly ruled Egypt as a proxy for Alexander's half-brother, this gets really dense, who also briefly became king of Macedonia, the Greek homeland. While awaiting the birth of Alexander's child, Perdiccas appointed one of Alexander's closest generals as yet another temporary watch over Egypt. His name was Ptolemy. This tricky guy watched Alexander's empire crumble after his death and sat tight in Egypt, soon declaring himself ruler in his own right. Perdiccas, presumably Perdipist, attempted to reinvade Egypt. Ptolemy successfully defended this and several other attacks by ex-Alexander generals. I just Finally, need to note that I read this as Ptolemy. Like, for sure, use the P. Like, just no questions asked. And I was like, I think Zach said it wrong. I have to keep myself from saying Ptolemy because it's fun. Like it's kind of fun. Idiot. It is. But I obviously the P silent and I fully was like, no, I think it's Ptolemy. <laughs> Yikes. I'm sure that it's not entirely silent. I'm sure that it's in there because mm-hmm. it's trying some, to convey some, some, yeah, some <laughs> sort of a local pronunciation. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's quite as hard as Ptolemy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think as so fun either. as that is to do. Uh, I've heard Ptolemy on all the uh, uh, the uh, pronunciations I've had, but no, I'll I'll go with you on this one. <laughs> no, you can say Ptolemy. I think that's fun. Anytime you refer to it, we'll just do that. Oh or P dog, something like that. I think is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, P P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or P. <laughs> do you P-Life, think they had P-Money. names like that back then, though? You know. Yeah, they had to have. I don't. They must have. Like, his closest guys are definitely calling him P-Dog as they roll into yeah. battle. Yeah. Well, wasn't there a ton of, like, gay stuff happening right now, like, in this era, too? I think they and all always. were sleeping each other. And always. You get a group of men together, some of them are going to sleep with each other. <laughs> that, Zach, I would bet a lot on that. <laughs> but I would think that they would all be close enough that they would be, yeah, little Petey. Little Petey. <laughs> Alexander, definitely there was um his closest partner or whatever i mean yeah these guys go off to war for years and years and years and there's no come on give me a break i mean well kind of like i mean alexander specifically there were a lot of rumors about his sexuality and different theories and he had a very close person i mean he had different wives and stuff but he had a very close male friend who was you know at most a great you know life partner in that sense but possibly something else also like we learned about uh with the joan of arc thing there are uh ecosystems that follow these large armies around um you know people who sell things uh including sex of all different kinds and um that's a huge kind of yeah economy that follows these things around so yeah it's interesting yeah people are getting their freak on in all kinds of ways good for them yeah you know more power to you (laughs) okay where were (laughs) you Ptolemy, that's where we were. No, yeah, yeah. Finally, in the, <laughs> finally, in 305 BCE, Ptolemy declared himself savior of Egypt and crowned himself King Ptolemy I Soter, beginning a 300-year reign of Greek-Egyptian monarchs. It is here, 69 hmm, BCE, <laughs> at the end, talking about getting our freak on, at the end of the Ptolemaic dynasty in the city of Alexandria, named after Alexander the Great, 
that Cleopatra VII is born. So she's Greek, if we didn't get that already, which is interesting because I always, you know, thought. Yeah, me too. Cleopatra, Egypt, she's Egyptian, but it's like not for hundreds of years was any, you know, like all of these yeah. uh, places are. Someone else was ruling over them for as long as, I mean, this is ancient, ancient history. Forget about all the colonialism and imperialism that comes yeah. later on. These people are doing it forever. At this point, we find the first of many mysteries surrounding Cleopatra. Who was her mother? Maury? Anybody? That's usually the father, though, isn't it? I, can you do a reverse <laughs> test? Can someone go on Maury and say who is the mother? Has that happened? I, I'm sure. I'm sure that he has had enough airtime that they've also had to discover the mother. One might assume it was the then wife of Cleopatra's father, Ptolemy Twelfth, Cleopatra the Sixth. <laughs> they are all named either Cleopatra or Ptolemy. Um, was no one creative or were they very, no. like, airheaded, you know? I think it was the airheadedness that it's like, I mean, yeah, for how many, what, 300 years earlier, uh, Alexander's sister's named Cleopatra and they're still doing it. That is so wild. Everyone's daughters, Cleopatra and everyone's sons, Ptolemy. Yeah, creativity wasn't like born till AD. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With a few exceptions. I'm assuming it was probably firstborns because, uh, Mm. as we'll we'll learn here, um, however, uh, uh, Cleopatra's mom disappears from records only months after Cleopatra VII's birth and Ptolemy goes on to have three more children. Arsinoe, Cleopatra's sister, and two more Ptolemies. As royalty, Cleopatra was privately tutored and studied at the Library of Alexandria, founded by Macedonian scholars and built by the second Ptolemaic ruler of Egypt. The library was one of the largest in the ancient world. It is unknown exactly how many scrolls were kept in the library. Estimates range from 40,000 to 400,000 papyrus scrolls. Many a great thinker and philosopher worked and researched inside the building, quickly gaining the city of Alexandria a reputation for world-class education. 400,000 papyrus scrolls. So much. Like, that's a lot of hand cramps. (laughs) (laughs) Because you would think it'd be like an ink and feather at that point. Yeah. I thought you were just going to say from like rolling them up and unrolling them. Oh, no. I didn't even think about that, but it would be too. <laughs> if someone has to close them, like, ah, this is the one I needed. Roll them up. <laughs> didn't find what I was looking for. She did hurt my wrist already. You went through 300 scrolls. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine trying to find something? I wonder how the organization was. Yeah. Were they labeled on the outside or something? I'm sure. I can't imagine. A library with like just shelves. just a pile or they just have like the old librarian you know like the old creepy librarian who's the only one that knows where stuff is yes (laughs) at this time the roman empire sorry it's not an empire i made a mistake yeah i was gonna say republic (laughs) it's a republic at this time the roman republic ruled a large ring around the mediterranean eclipsing the once great greek territories With Roman land and forces on either side of the Greek Ptolemaic Egypt, it was quite precarious and threatening. Rome was both an ally and an enemy. The relationship was complicated as they are today. Think of our relationship with China. We do a massive amount of trade and business, act as friends most of the time, but spy on each other constantly and could very easily slide into a major military conflict. Rome openly wished to claim Egypt, and in 58 BCE, they acted on those wishes. 
they annex the Cypress Islands, causing Cleopatra's uncle and current ruler of the island to murder himself instead of being exiled. Wait, wait, wait. Ptolemy murder kept- Murder himself? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've never heard it said like that before yeah. in my whole life. That was the hardest way to hear that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. Really? Murder himself? Is that sadder? Yeah. I was just trying to avoid that word. Yeah, I appreciate it, but I think it's harder. Well, what else should I say? No, that's no. Do this. Do this one. The current ruler of, of the island to slip on a banana peel and hit his head <laughs> instead of being the current to ruler purposefully of the island slip sh- held his breath and he drift off to sleep. <laughs> Sat in his car yeah. inside the garage for a little too long. I've just never, I've literally never, this is not relevant at all. Well, people say like unalived or whatever, which I think is kind of like. Yeah. I no, I just have literally like. People are trying to find different ways of, just, you know, saying no, it. No, I so appreciate it. No, this is like Steph to Zach saying, I've literally never heard it said like that. And I, I've never thought of that. And it's really sad. But that's what it is. So carry on. Ptolemy kept the news of Cyprus and his brother hidden from the Egyptian public, something you could feasibly do back then. This decision ensured two things. Rome would retain the island, and the public would turn against Ptolemy when they eventually did find out, because even back before phones and the internet, one can't keep a secret forever, especially something that large. Which is exactly what happened. Ptolemy was forcefully exiled from Egypt. He bounced from spot to spot along the countryside, eventually settling down and spending a year camped outside of Rome, attempting to persuade sympathetic Roman lawmakers and influencers to aid his return to ruling Egypt. And Ptolemy did not travel alone. He took his favorite daughter with him, 11-year-old Cleopatra. Wait, what about the other kids? Did he just... (laughs) Was he like, no, just you? They weren't good enough. (laughs) They didn't care. Um, I, I, I... Presumably, yeah, they were left behind. He took his favorite. Cleopatra was his favorite by far. So he took his favorite daughter and, you know, there were other institutions and probably people to care for them. But yeah, he abandoned his family, essentially, sounds like. Oh, my God. It's got to be rough, though, because your parents are like, I'd never pick favorites. But then when it comes down to it. Yeah. Back then and in royalty. That's not a thing. There's a favorite for sure. A hundred percent. And thank God that he did, because now we have Cleopatra. You know what I mean? Like, he knew. He knew she was important. He knew. Yeah. He knew she was important. Or she was important just because of this. Or both. (laughs) Yeah, he's just the only one that survived of the kids. (laughs) Well, we'll find out that that's unfortunately, or fortunately, not true. There was some failed diplomacy outside of Rome. The two left to reside inside the Temple of Artemis in modern-day Turkey. Eventually, the Roman governor of Syria was convinced to lead the invasion of Egypt to reinstate Ptolemy. This, as you might be wondering, was not condoned by the larger Roman government. And while the Egyptian campaign was successful and reinstated Ptolemy and Cleopatra as the rulers of Egypt, it led to the exile of the Syrian governor. Lots of exile back then. Yeah. Also during the campaign, a young Mark... Oops, I said Anthony. It's Anthony. <laughs> young Mark Anthony. I love that. Pre-J-Lo. <laughs> a young Mark Anthony. <laughs> riding in the cavalry in the Roman army claims that he met the then 14-year-old Cleopatra and fell in love. Sicko. Yeah, that's, that's concerning. <laughs> There's also a lot of that back then, too. Yeah. Okay, so someone's Mark Anthony 
and uh, someone's Ptolemy. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. I have a vibe for Mark Anthony. I'm very, I'm very ready I for this. Patol- <laughs> yes, we've done it. You Roman bastards have done it. Egypt will be mine again. I mean, ours again. Th- they're mostly mine. Now let's like, kill all the women and children. Wait a minute, sir. We can't do that. Also, I-, I don't know why I called you sir. I don't work for you. We are not gonna murder all these people. Then what do you suggest we do with them? How about I marry your daughter? What? Uh, wait, you know, like, I could rule over them. But, but I still get the rest of Egypt? I mean, yeah, sure. All right, that's fine. <laughs> all right, fine, then... I'm still gonna kill kill a few on the way out. One more time, Zach. All right, that's fine then. But I'm still gonna kill a few of them on the way out. And scene. In 51 BCE, at the age of 18, Cleopatra ascended to the throne after the passing of her father. Several crises immediately challenged Cleopatra, including a widespread famine created from a drought, and less than normal flooding from the Nile an annual, natural event that ensured fertile farmlands in the surrounding areas. Additionally, there was a rampant crime due to the idle and unemployed former Roman soldiers, left behind from the Roman-assisted invasion that reinstated Ptolemy and Cleopatra. So that's interesting because they had this invasion, they asked for a bunch of soldiers, the invasion happened, and then the soldiers are out of work and they're just <laughs> standing around living there and they're bored and don't have a job. And so they're just like robbing people and just causing trouble. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what happens, you know, you ask for people's help and then you're just like, yeah, good luck. Speaking of which, Cleopatra also inherited her father's debt to the Romans, a bill of over 17 million drachmas. Hard to equate, but that might be anywhere from 10 to 100 times in today's U.S. dollars. Cleopatra. Um, I just, I just yeah. want to say one quick thing. Um, the pinging you keep hearing on my laptop is your mom texting me, but I can't see what it is. <laughs> is my mom texting you? <laughs> I just looked and I was like, who keeps pinging? And it just says Chris Hamer for unread. There's an emergency coming That's on. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I just could not believe. Cleopatra and her brother, you guessed it, Ptolemy the Thirteenth, were supposed to be co-rulers of Egypt after their father's death. However, less than a year into their co-rule, Cleopatra begins to be referred to as the sole leader of Egypt. This could be because she somehow forced her brother out or married him, as was common for Ptolemaic royalty. What we do know, could you marry your brother to be uh, king of or queen of Egypt? Just as a formality. <laughs> <laughs> like no, no. Melly, you have a brother? Um, <laughs> yeah, just formality no. wise. <laughs> I, I would murder myself. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have a brother, no. Melly? I have a stepbrother, but that's just a definite no in a million years. <laughs> Hard pass. A okay. No. Mm. No. No. Cleopatra was ready to do what she had to do. See, that's, uh, you know, I guess that's the difference. <laughs> that's the biggest yeah, that's, difference. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we're here and she was there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. What we do know was her brother remained alive and a thorn in her side, clearly hurt by his leadership role being retracted. His anger eventually led to a military conflict within Alexandria, where Cleopatra's army fought against pro-Ptolemy XIII forces. In the midst of this conflict, (laughs) 
Gnaeus Pompeius. Ooh. Do you think his parents were like, this needs, needs to, rhyme. to rhyme? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like they were, they were having no fun during this age. So when they named him, they were like, let's have a little bit of fun, okay? For once in our life. Gnaeus Pompeius. <laughs> That's where all the joy came from. What was the other one? Berner von Brunson or whatever? Yeah, people are really having a time. If they survive childbirth, they're like, this is the best. <laughs> Gnaeus Pompeius, the son of Pompey, the current ruler of Rome, arrives asking for military aid. A man named Caesar has been waging a civil war against Pompey in Rome, eventually causing Pompey to flee Greece. Another flee. If we're playing a drinking game, take a shot every time we That's flee. That's two fleas. Every Every time there's an invasion or a flea, <laughs> you take or, a shot. Yeah, or some kid person is named after each other. Yeah. <laughs> or there's a rhyming name. <laughs> or siblings marry. <laughs> this is when Gnaeus, Pompey's son, shows up in Egypt requesting help. Oddly, despite their own bloody conflict, Cleopatra and her brother, P-Man XIII, agreed to aid Pompey and send 60 ships and 500 soldiers. This also helped relieve some of the debt owed to the Romans. Cleopatra eventually lost the battle with her brother and had to, once again, <laughs> flee Alexandria to Thebes. These people must be really fast. So tired. So fast, but so tired. Yeah. Also, where's there left to flee to? You know what I mean? Like, not that much has been conquered at this point. So, like, limited flee fleeable real estate. You're fleeing close. It's, yeah, you're not fleeing far. It's like <laughs> everyone just moves next door. Like, whenever they flee, it's just, like, to the neighbors. Exactly. <laughs> and then they come back real soon. It's like when you run away when you're a kid. Yes, they're just hiding in the woods and they come back for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> in usual Ptolemaic fashion, she asked the Romans for help, specifically Roman Syria where she gathered an army to yet again invade Egypt. But Cleopatra's forces were prevented from entering Alexandria by her brother's army. Meanwhile, in Greece, Pompey and Caesar clash at the Battle of Pharsalus. Pharsalus. Pompey, feeling pressured by his generals, engages with Caesar and suffers a punishing defeat. With most of his army destroyed, Pompey, you guessed it, <laughs> fled, take Jake. <laughs> Everyone is either invading or fleeing, Ptolemy or Cleopatra. Pompey fled to friendly Alexandra in Egypt. However, Ptolemy XIII, Cleopatra's brother, feared this would bring the Roman civil war to Egypt. So they stabbed Pompey, Caesar's rival and son-in-law, to death by invite in Alexandria, embalming and sending his severed head to Caesar. Just like tough goes all around for Pompey. You know what I mean? Just for throughout history. Caesar, possibly, was torn by this act, as it was the death of a family member, but also his direct rival, but also interfered in his war, but also won it for him. So lots of emotions. Determined to settle the dynastic dispute in Egypt, Caesar landed in Alexandria and took up residence in the then vacant royal palace. As Cleopatra and Ptolemy dueled it out, rebuking the Ptolemaic interference in his war, Caesar scolded the two siblings and called for them to disband their armies and cease the fighting. Ptolemy XIII comes in hot to Alexandria in defiance of Caesar, further angering him. Cleopatra, on the other hand, knowing Caesar's weakness for women, takes another angle. The fun myth is she had herself smuggled into the palace bedroom where Caesar was staying so she could seduce him from inside his chambers. 
However, the likely and more historically accurate version was she dressed attractively for the time, of course, and used her wit and skill to charm the pants right off of Caesar. <laughs> and it worked famously. When Cle- could maybe <laughs> let's just jump in there for a second. Someone want to be Cleopatra and someone want to be Caesar? Yes. Maybe we'll just maybe I'm thinking like let's think like cocktail party. You know, there's like background piano, you know, music kind of going on. You got, you know, you're kind of you, you run into each other in the room, you know, kind of a situation is what I'm kind of imagining. There's like a small gap. Caesar's having a few friends over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Cleopatra's sort of gotten an invite and kind of snuck into the room here. And, um, you know, she's she's leaving the bar with her drink and she kind of she knows he's around. But she kind of bumps into Caesar. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, sorry. So um, sorry. Is this the line for the bathroom? Uh, no, I, um, I, I, my name's Caesar, like the salad. Hey, Caesar, my God, I just ate you. <laughs> <laughs> that was you're so funny. That's <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God. Hey, I actually forgot a napkin, though. Do you mind if I use your pants? Yeah, anything, you know, they're here to serve. That would be awesome. Yeah, if you could just um, take them off. But I feel like we should probably shouldn't do it. Like, my parents are here. Like, we probably shouldn't do it, or at least my dad is. <laughs> um, we probably shouldn't do it in front of them. So do you mind no. if we just quickly slip into the bedroom? Yes. Yeah. Grab that's, your pants? That's that's cool. I'm, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I imagine it went down something exactly like that. I think so, too. <laughs> I imagine that's the kind of person Cleopatra was. No, no messing around. She knew what she wanted. She went for it. She needed a napkin. When Cleopatra's brother realizes she is miles ahead of him at making an alliance with Caesar, he attempts to cause an uprising amongst the citizens of Alexandria. Ptolemy is immediately arrested, and Caesar, a great orator, calms the frenzied crowd. Caesar also reveals that Cleopatra and Ptolemy had been intended to rule Egypt jointly, something he recently discovered. He once again calls for them to fulfill their father's intentions and rule Egypt co-equally. Correctly fearing Caesar was favoring Cleopatra over himself, Ptolemy XIII gathered his armies and alliances and laid siege to Alexandria. During all this disruption and fighting, Caesar and then later Cleopatra were held up inside the royal palace. They remained inside for many months. Cleopatra and Ptolemy's sister, Arsinoe, flees the grip of Caesar, shot, and joins her brother's forces. She is soon declared queen of whatever he has going on. With the siblings having chosen their sides, the great showdown for the crown of Egypt begins. There was a naval battle, which Caesar won. A battle at the city of Pharos, where Caesar's boat was overrun by soldiers. He swam ashore, keeping one hand above water, full of essential documents. Caesar lost this battle, but retained the city and island. Okay, that sounds like really cool that he did that, but can you imagine like the great Caesar just like, I gotta save, I gotta save my papers. Doggy paddling with one arm. <laughs> Fascinating. I just love that any of that is like made it through history, like that, that that's what people are remembering. That's a hilarious way to swim to shore. Probably was a sight to see. Yes, <laughs> no one forgot. <gasps> exactly. I did my best to either take the middle ground or the most uh, frequently recounted story, but there's conflicting stories. It's a long time ago. Never really know, I suppose. Cleopatra was absent from these conflicts as she was pregnant with Caesar's child after their little love lockdown. Oh my god. The skit was very accurate. Very accurate, yes. 
a major strategic and power move on her part. Caesar, however, was only consul, his current title in Rome, until the end of that year, 48 BCE. Caesar made arrangements to become dictator over Rome, something allowed under current Roman Republic law for one year. This rule was created to help make fast and decisive decisions in times of crisis, like martial law or a state of emergency. There were several eras and forms of Roman governing. This period is the Roman Republic when we talked about that. Created to have a voice and input from the Roman citizens. Caesar was the last ruler in the Republic era. Caesar becoming dictator of Rome allowed him the time to attempt to settle once and for all who would rule Egypt. Something he did by declaring Cleopatra's 12-year-old brother, Ptolemy XIV, to be joint ruler with the 22-year-old Cleopatra. This occurred by the traditional Ptolemaic sibling marriage. Classic. Another one. Take a shot. So much worse than the previous sibling marriage. Classic. You gotta do what you gotta do if you, you know, it's not easy to get to the top. It's a long way. It's unbelievable. I wonder who in history, like, for the first time was like, this is inappropriate. Like, who did it take to say, and this is off limits? How stinky was the brother's feet? That is it. I don't, and I really sincerely hope it's like, we have to marry each other to stay, keep it in the family in an aggressive way. But I, is there stuff where they're having kids? Yeah, I'm, sh- I mean, Ugh. yeah, not, not, not that I've come across in this story yet. That's good. But absolutely. Great. Honestly, I think, I mean, I think it was prevalent all the time, but boy, when we sure get into the Middle Ages, mm. I mean, they had no shame about that, you know, as, as the circle of who you could marry and the Europe got smaller and smaller and smaller. People are disgusting. The aristocrats, right? Yeah. However, she went on living privately with Caesar. So. Thank God. It was just, you know, just for the show of it, everybody. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Before you at me. <laughs> Soon, Roman reinforcements arrived, and Ptolemy and Arsinoe pulled their armies back from Alexandria to the Nile. That counts as a, that's a half shot. That's like a half flee. Yeah, I know. I'm out of wine. I, I literally, there's so much fleeing. Where Caesar launched a follow-up attack. Ptolemy Thirteenth finally died when his boat capsized upon his... Fleeing! I have water. You might be wondering how Ptolemy was released from Caesar's control. I was. You might also... Good. You might also be wondering, who again is Ptolemy? Where are all the pyramids and mummies? Find out next week on part two of Cleopatra. I'm bummed out about how people married their siblings, but (laughs) that's kind of my biggest takeaway. I wonder if they were bummed, you know? Like, they want to go live their lives, and they're like, no, I have to marry Ptolemy the 600,000th. Yeah, and I think we definitely established it's not the firstborn. They just literally kept naming their children. Maybe because they wanted that name to be the king, Mm. like, in history, and so they just kept renaming them Ptolemy until one of them was the king. That's one way to do it. That's one way to do it. We'll be waiting anxiously for part two. Yeah. That's our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed. You can reach out at historiesajokepodcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at historiesajokepod. You can find us online at lavenderfingerproductions.com. 
Melly? Uh, well, I Melly Kazel comedy. I got Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. You know, I, I start my master's program in March, so everyone just be praying for me. Um, Congratulations. And I'm not on social media, so you can't tell me you're praying for me. <laughs> so don't at you? Yeah, and Zach, I'm engaged. <laughs> I, really do, That's right. I really do want to look, because I feel like- Do you want to plug the wedding? Yeah, the wedding is- um, Do you want some rando It's undated, so. Series a Joke podcast is supported by listeners like you. Find us on Venmo at Histories a Joke.